This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI, a story that is all too common for guide dog handlers is guide dog access denial. It's something we talk about on this show fairly frequently. It's something that people experience even more frequently. Let's bring in community reporter Louise Levesque Burley in Moncton, New Brunswick, who recently had a situation just like this. Hey, good morning, Louise. Hey, Dave, how you doing today? I'm well. So, Louise, you were on Prince Edward Island and you had a guide dog access issue. What happened? Well, it all happened before I went to the island. I hadn't been there in 20 years, so we were pretty, pretty excited of going. So we picked up the phone, made reservation, made all our... Um, you know, this room, that room, and it was a motel because we enjoy motels. You don't have to lug things through a, a large hotel and that kind of thing and for the dog. And so um, at the end, we always mention Dave, always that um, it will be, I will be accompanied by my guide dog, Mr. Fig. Well, then the manager uh, went on to say, well, we don't accept pets. And we spent a good 10 minutes explaining that it is not a pet, it's licensed, it's trained, um, it's a guide dog, and the guide dog goes wherever I go. And when we saw we were not going to get anywhere, we said, okay, then we're going to take our business elsewhere. And uh, as he, we finished saying that, he says, well, my wife has allergies. Well, that prickled my big toe. And uh, so we made other arrangement elsewhere that absolutely no issues whatsoever. So the whole thing, Dave, it's, a, it's around... Um, yeah, access, but it's it's around education. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the island, you've probably been there, uh, you know, uh, during your life. That's their, their bread and butter is tourism. And, you know, they had a promotion this summer to gather tourism, which, you know, meant that they were welcoming, they were inclusive. Uh, no. They were not inclusive. And uh, after doing a bit of research on their site, they do have a Human Rights uh, Act of 1974. And uh, it says in that act that, you know, if you are a restaurant or if you are, um, you know, hotel, motel, you serve the public guide dogs are allowed in. They actually specify in their act that, the guide dog's not allowed in the public kitchen, but that's fine. Uh, you know, I'm not going to bring Mr. Fig there. So the whole thing was like, this is 2022. This is really archaic, you know? 
Yeah, it, it might be archaic, but it is far too common. Guide dog handlers will tell you this happens yeah. quite frequently. <clears throat> so after this conversation, after the denial of access mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. guide dog, you did choose to escalate this incident. So what's that process like? Who do you address that to? Well, I did a bit of research on the website and I decided to send a letter. I took my good you know, I took a week to compose the letter and I sent it to the Minister of uh, Tourism and the Minister of Lifelong Learning and a CC to the motel. Uh, they were very quick in responding to my letter. I had three objectives in my letter. Uh, one was to educate the manager's uh, people and and two was that if his wife has allergies to um, pets or guide dogs or whatnot, maybe they're in the wrong business uh, at all. And one of the reasons why we do um, say to people uh, that when we do book in a hotel motel is some hotels, I don't know if you've noticed this, but some have sectioned off a few rooms or a total section for people that do have serious, serious allergies. And they even do that on planes now. So we want to make sure that, you know, we're not next to a room that somebody does have severe allergies. So and the third um, is that the manager becomes aware of the Human Rights Act of uh, Prince Edward Island. Mm-hmm. They responded, Dave, within hours of my letter. Uh, the individual, uh, it's the director of uh, Strategies Initiative Tourism of PEI that I'm in contact with. Um they even offered a telephone conversation, which I have taken. Um, and I, we were supposed to have it last week, but <clears throat> as you know, tropical storm and the mm-hmm. entire mm-hmm. island was out of power and internet. So I did write back and I said, look, I'm happy to wait a week, uh, but this needs to be addressed on the phone. And my reason for that is I want to know how it's going to unfold to educate this particular manager, but what are their strategies for hospitality tourism uh, training for the island? Like, how do they do it? You know, is it a video? Is it uh, a pamphlet? Is it, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? It's So Louise, you've used the word education a couple times here, awareness as well. So mm-hmm. as you think about, I mean, you want the update, right? But if you were in charge, yeah. I've made you the premier of PEI. What would you like to see changed going forward on PEI? I would like to see more accessibility, whether it's physical attitude, um, you know, um, I now in in our journey to to our trip, I must say we did not have any other issues uh, than that one. Uh, but people did not know how to interact 
with me because I had a dog. And so there needs to be a wider scope of um, awareness, like you said, but, uh, you know, what is it like in their tourist, you know, serving the public, they need to, to know more about serving people with different needs, not necessarily just guide dogs, Mm -hmm. different needs. Like, you know, there are some buildings that you, people have wheelchairs and they can't get into it because there's no elevators. Um, You know, that's, that's one example that we saw, but there needs to be a bigger scope of education. I, I agree with you, Louise, but sometimes that bigger scope is just too much for people to process. So if I was going to stay mm-hmm. inside the realm of this issue of guide dog access, you know, we just yeah. came out of, of September being guide dog access awareness month. And yes. there were a lot of campaigns going on about guide dogs and their handlers. And I think to a certain degree, we've communicated, don't touch a service dog. Don't bother a service dog mm-hmm. while they're working. Mm-hmm. I know you've worked really hard on that, Louise. But I, like just in your life, I know you've worked really hard on that. The thing I would like to see, I'm not going to mention the organization by name, but they recently started their own guide dog program and paid for a big national campaign that featured Ben Mulrooney playing with cute puppies saying, we need money in puppy walkers. You know where I think would be a much better use of that resource? Let's actually take those 30 seconds and be like, here are the do's and don'ts of guide dogs and here are your legal responsibilities in regards to letting guide dogs into your businesses. Point final, period. Yeah, I agree 110 fold and, and, you know, more education about the harness, like uh, the other episode, they're looking for tags and, uh, you know, there needs to be a lot more awareness on guide dogs. Yeah, I think the serious conversation rather than the cute puppies right like we all love puppies never mind the puppies they are cute yeah no (laughs) one objects to cute puppies but i think if we're going to have that platform and use that platform there needs to be some actual built-in advocacy louise what do you say you want to move on to something a little more fun here yeah let's move on to a uh a bell yeah well let let me do it let me set let me set it up for you because you're always because you're always buying interesting things and sharing your experience with these things i think maybe you have a little bit of a retail therapy problem if i'm being honest but you recently (laughs) got a surge you got a surge protector it's called the spin power surge protector by bell and howell and this one isn't just like your regular power bar what makes it different well, it's shaped like a, a, a tower. It's, you know, it, it's large at the bottom and it goes up, it thins out. But what this is so unique, and when I saw it, I thought, I have to have one. You can plug in eight different USB uh, ports. Uh, and then it has, I think it's 12 different other items you can plug in. Like I have my toaster, my coffee machine, my blender, my chopper. Um, I have all kinds of different things plugged in. And for your uh, items that need like um, your iPhone and uh, iPad and all of those electronics, uh, Apple Watch or whatever, then it charges faster. So if you only have like sometimes 10 minutes, you'll get at least at least a half hour more charge. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and and it's protected from uh, electric surges. So it, nothing will 
um, be damaged or whatever. And there is on mine a little stand on the top for, um, oh, what do you call it, your iPhone or your iPad. And on the uh, tower itself, there's an off and on button. But what is cool, Dave, is you turn the top and that's the cord to plug into the socket comes out. Oh, interesting. And it's got seven feet. Now, I don't use the seven feet. And if you want to unplug it totally, um, you just turn the top the other way and the big cord goes inside. So it doesn't take a lot of room. It's in a corner in the kitchen and I just plug in everything. So you can leave your wires for your um, electronic to, to be charged, right? So you're walking by, Oh, I better charge my watch. Oh, I better watch my uh, charge my iPhone. So yeah, it's, it's a, and it's sold um, online on different places, um, Canadian Tire, uh, Walmart online, and they range from $37 to $60. Um, and the shopping channel, of course, my favorite place, you know, <laughs> shopping therapy, shopping yeah. therapy, Dave. A little retail therapy. We, we all, we all spend a little time on a retailer named after a giant river from time to time when it's uh, making ourselves feel better. Yeah, Louise, I can really see how something like this as a verticality, as a space saver is something that would be really convenient and not necessarily an accessibility tool, but something that certainly offers a user experience for someone who doesn't yes. want to be unplugging and replugging a million things. Yes, as, that's, that was my issue. Yeah, I, I can see that sort of, again, not an accessibility thing, but a design thing that has an accessibility application. Yeah, right. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. Well, Louise, we always appreciate you stopping by. Thank you for sharing a heavy story as well as a fun story with us. And uh, we'll talk to you again down the road in a couple weeks. All right. Take care, Dave. That is Louise Levesque Burley, community reporter in Moncton, New Brunswick. You can find out more about these stories on our blog, ami.ca slash now, ami.ca slash now. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hadjar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.